So I was sitting in my office this week and it was stormy out. And the rain was just coming down. And I could hear it on the roof. I think I had my heater going. It was just so cozy. I was cozy in the room and by the fire, almost like by the fireplace, kind of cozy. And sometimes it's like that. Sometimes our, our faith leads us to those moments, cozy by the fire. And then other times, our faith will lead us into the fire. And that's where we are today in Daniel chapter 3. I got to do a quick overview that my barista at Starbucks asked me, so what are you doing today? So I was able to say, well, I'm a pastor, I'm going to church, and I'm preaching on Daniel chapter 3, and I gave her a quick summary of this, of my sermon. <laughs> so my wife said, that came right out of you. I said, well, she asked for it, you know, but it was real quick, and uh, it's an awesome, awesome story. Hear the word of God. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and six cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. <clears throat> Then the herald loudly proclaimed, Nations and peoples of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship. The image of that the goal of the king Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, May the king live forever. Your majesty has issued a decree. That everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. And that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They either serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So, these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down... And worship the image I made. Very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, 
We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But if, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers of his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, Your Majesty. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come out. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other god can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. God always blesses the reading of God's holy word. Quite a way to earn a promotion, isn't it? (laughs) Heavenly Father, come again today, as you always do. Jesus, be our teacher today. Holy Spirit, lift lift us in the person of Christ, in the bosom of the Father. Speak to us, lead us, shape our hearts. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pure and acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. My friend, he was a disciple or a mentor of mine, Pat Moyer, he was in a foreign country, non-Christian country, in the Middle East. He was at a hotel, poolside, chilling, and the locals said, hey, can you remove that cross that's around your neck? And my friend said, no, it doesn't come off. In college, a mentor of mine told me a story that went something like this. Roughly remember it. In wartime Europe, in wartime Europe, some German soldiers burst into a church of Christians. Everyone renounce your faith by walking out or we're going to shoot you, they said. Most left, as I recall in the story, most Christians left the church for fear of being shot for their faith. When the church emptied and the German soldiers had only a few Christians left, the German soldiers put down their weapons and said, okay, We know you're the real Christians. We want to worship with you. 
Two decades ago, I stood in the remnants of Roman Colosseum in Duras, Albania, where Christian martyrs died for their faith. What would you and I do? Ever wonder how far your Christian courage would take you if it was a matter of life and death, or even a sense of threat, serious threat? Our story takes us there this morning. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold as a gold god, probably his patron god, Nebo. Sounds not like Nemo. It's kind of unfortunate. But anyway, if it was if it was today, he'd probably have to change the name, finding Nebo. Anyway, King Nebuchadnezzar is telling these guys, okay, everybody, pledge to Nebo, and then you pledge to me, and we're cool. 90 feet high, 9 feet wide, kind of an odd size, scholars tell us. It's possible that not all of it was a human image. It may have been a podium with a human image on it. However it looked, it was big. And maybe this is Nebuchadnezzar's insecurity. He just had a dream about his kingdom being smashed. So you can kind of see the psychology of this. You know, oh, you say my kingdom is going to be smashed? All right, I'm going to build a gold statue, show you how big I am. And then I'm going to threaten anybody who doesn't bow to it. And of course, everybody bows like robots. But maybe we can empathize with them. Imagine being in a crowd and everybody bows. It'd be so easy to bow, wouldn't it? Oh, just hide. If I hide that, I can kind of do evangelism on the low, low, right? I mean, you could find a way probably to get there. We shouldn't be too hard on them. I mean, it's scary. Your life is threatened, right? Well, except three guys don't bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refuse. The astrologers find out about it. They tell on them. The king is furious. He gives them another chance. Bow. They don't. And then they tell him this. Talk about swag. Listen to this. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you on this matter. Well, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Well, they put him in his place, don't they? They stand up for God. They proclaim their allegiance to God. What a high bar for us. Would you and I be like these guys? Do we have it in us? Or those brave German Christians that heard about in my story or my poolside friend in the Middle East? Are we that brave? Do we have it in us? Well, it's impossible to know, really. We never really can know what you do in that, what we do in that situation. Except we do know this. We do know one thing about that situation should it happen. We do have one guarantee in that situation should it happen. And it's this. We know God will be there with us. And just like we can trust our God to provide for us in every other way, we can trust he'll provide the faith we need in those moments. Stories like this, I think if we're honest about it, break you. And I think sometimes the Bible's meant to do that. It breaks us. Jesus' first words on the Sermon on the Mount, 
Blessed. Who does he bless? He blesses the poor in spirit. I find these archetypical hero stories of faith in the Bible remind me time and time again how poor in spirit I am. And that sends me back to the blessing. God, I need you to bless me because this, because these guys, you know, they, they remind me of where I lack. We come to the end of ourselves. And that's, I think, sometimes what the Bible needs to do is to bring us to the end of ourselves. Blessed are you there. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Drill in deeper to these guys and their proclamation in this moment. And there's even something more than just standing up out of fear of being killed. Even the fear of being killed. Listen, he said, they say in verse 17, 18, if the God we serve is able to deliver us, then he will deliver us from the blazing furnace and from your majesty's hand. But, wait for it, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Whew. Okay, now these guys are really kicking it up a notch. They don't just profess faith in God's deliverance. They profess something even spicier. You ever hear that? Uh, that there used to be a place in town. I was in here where the guy. It was a spice shop, or you go and get it's called the man, and there was their spice was called the man. The guy would go around and say, "Have you met the man? Have you met the man?" And they would give you the man. It was the real spicy stuff on your plate. Here, have you met the man? Here's the man, right? That's the real kicking stuff, right? This is this is the real kicking faith here. I don't just trust God to deliver me. I don't just profess profess faith in God's deliverance. I profess faith in God, whether God delivers me or not. Their allegiance is to God, not to a certain outcome God gives them. It's worth asking when we pray, whether we're more focused on a certain outcome than we are on God, the the music, you are beautiful today. That cultivated sense of God's beautiful presence and a relationship with God. A lot of evangelicalism has become transactional. Where I got my insurance policy to stay out of hell and I'm good, right? And God has mercy on that, okay? I'm not we all have our stuff, our issues. But that is not the whole of of this, right? There is much more. And it's not just what we get from God that we want you to know. We want you to know that. But it's God. We love God no matter what. God is beautiful. That's such a beautiful word this morning musically. One of my heart cries, and I'm sure I share this with many here, is we want people to know not just what they can get from God. We want people to know God. And I think that's a cultivated sense. I mean, the idea of being abandoned to God no matter what, well, that takes time. I think it's like any relationship that we say, have you met the man? You know, it's the man, Jesus Christ, who we have to know, who comes into our life, who comes in, sanctifies my humanity, right? Our humanity comes in, lives the perfect human life, offered up to God. The only, the only perfect covenant response to God was in Jesus Christ, his son, right? He, he did it. All these other people, Daniel, they're archetypes, but only Jesus did it fully. 
And then Jesus comes and does it, lives, he's the man, right, we have to meet. Have you met the man? He's the man, Jesus, who's also God. And then we get the, then we, then we are empowered to the spicy faith. You know, the faith that says, no matter what, I'm God's, no matter what. I'm going to pray for healing from this cancer, but no matter what, I'm going to pray my beloved is healed from this cancer, but no matter what, I'm yours. Right? I'm going to pray I get this job, but no, no matter what, I'm yours. You know? That's the faith. But that only comes, you don't learn that. That's a transformational connectedness with the man, Jesus, in your life, the person of Jesus in your life, a connection cultivated, reflected in that music. That's what we're about here is drawing you into a personal connection where you can really go, okay, I trust the who more than the what of what he gives me. And I think that's where these guys are at. That's why they can say, no matter what, we trust you. Second, these guys do not assume that faithful living means they're entitled to deliverance from being burned to death. As one commentator notes, Jesus himself says, in this world you will have trouble. Faithful followers of Jesus aren't immune. You can do everything right. You can be quite faithful and wind up in the furnace. That's what happens here. Go, I'm in the furnace. Did I do something wrong? You know, am I, am I, what did I do? Well, you know, sometimes you make bad choices. Sure, there's that. And God meets us there. Sometimes we're right on track. And being right on track lets you into the hot spot, leads to the hot spot. Hot seat, heated situation. Now more likely for us, these hot spots aren't literal furnaces. They're more like uncomfortable moments. You take a stand on the job or in school, in your class, at lunchtime. You make a com- Someone makes a comment, you don't go along with it, that kind of thing. Everyone looks at you. Hot seat, you know. That kind of deal. And now maybe someone's mad at you. I don't That's hard, isn't it? I don't know if you're like me, it's, it's hard when you disappoint people. Or maybe you even get some hard direct pushback about something. Someone really hits you hard back. And the heat is on, so to speak. And it's uncomfortable. Well, just because the heat's turned up doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. You may be exactly where God wants you to be. You may have been led right where your faithfulness brought you, but you're not alone there. He gives these guys each other, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in the zone. That's church. You know, come in to me, come in with me. And even if they're not right there with you in the cafeteria, you can bring them in later. Let me tell you what happened today. Can I share something with you? And you bring in a small group, you have your meet your shad, and you bring back Misha in the bed and go, come here, I need your help with this. Right? I'm having a hard time right now, I'm on the hot seat. You know, we have the gift of each other, singing hymns together, liturgy, remembering the sound of the coyote angel in the background, you know, beautiful encouragement, the beauty of God. We have each other, we need each other to remind each other of that in the fiery furnace. That's what God gives us through. He does not leave you alone in the furnace to which your faithfulness has brought you. God gives us each other. And then secondly, God gives you himself. There is that fourth figure in the furnace. I think it's Jesus. The early church did. Many ancient commentators saw the fourth figure as Christ before he became flesh. Could be an angel too. 
Either way, whoever this figure is, the point is clear. God's got your back. You are not alone. God doesn't lead you to the furnace to just let you wither away alone by yourself. To live as a Christian to is, is to embrace the reality that sometimes faithfulness will take you to the hot spot. But along with that, it's to embrace God's love for you in the furnace through his people and through his presence. May it be so for you and me as the heat gets turned up. May we meet the man, Jesus Christ, and live that spicy faith. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen.